building built, our, our, the, the, the platform is going to have plenty of room. I am excited about that. I, as we continue to grow, I want to, uh, everyone to be able to use your talents for God's honor and glory. And so I, I think that those that want to sing in the choir, I think that's going to get bigger. I think those that play uh, different um, uh, instruments where we can have an orchestra one of these days, we're close now. If you guys would all pull those things out of your closets and start playing them again and uh, have an orchestra. I think I even know a couple of very talented musicians that could probably help with some of that, too. So, well, uh, I'm excited about that. But, you know, I got to thinking maybe we could extend this platform now, you know, and rebuild this, get rid of these these things here we could have somebody, you know, come in and build a nice big platform, maybe put it up a little taller so that people could see a little better, not feel like you're way back there in the back. And I don't know, some thoughts. So, but uh, it will be taken care of in that new building. And so you continue to pray about that. And I know in God's timing, I was praying for that today. And just then, in God's timing, whatever He wants, we want. Uh, we, we want that um, uh, building built whenever uh, he says it's time. And so you continue to pray with us about that and, and uh, just continue to give of your time, talents, and treasures to, uh, to the Lord. And I know that he is going to bless that. And, and uh, people are searching and, and needing some answers. And um, it's a, it is definitely a chaotic world. And, and it does seem to be more chaotic than it, than it was. And I think because of that, then, we have several more people that are uh, dealing with uh, uh, the results of anxiety and stress and anger and um, just uh, all of the, the plunge into immorality that we have seen. And, the, uh, the you know, I, I woke up this morning early, about 5.30, and I, and I heard a couple of car doors, you know, shut which is kind of interesting. I mean, who in the world, other than a crazy preacher, is up at 5.30 on a Sunday morning? Well, don't answer that, Alice. Sam. <laughs> Some of you guys just aren't right, you know. Normal people are still sound asleep, you know. But I, I just, I, it's just challenging, though, I, because I was getting up and getting ready for, for uh, to come in early and and I really wanted to go out and start my car and, and let, it, let it warm up. And, and my truck, I should say my pickup, is not like my wife's nice car. You know, I've made the sacrifices. And so my wife's car, you can set inside and go bloop, bloop, you know, and it starts it up and the steering wheel gets hot and the seats get warm. And no, mine is I get in it and, you know, and you got to start it up and the seats are cold and the steering wheel's cold and, and it gets warm just about the time you get here. And so, and I was going to warm it up and then I thought, mm, I don't know, you know, I hear car doors out there banging around and somebody did get into our Durango here a few weeks ago and pilfered through it and, and ha ha, didn't find anything. And so... Uh, if you want to you steal my insurance card, go ahead. Why don't you pay the bill, too, all right? And, but uh, so I didn't, and, and just for the reason that uh, I, I kind of like my pickup, and I don't want somebody stealing it, and I thought, you know, here I am. I go start that truck and get ready, and it'll be nice and warm, and I'll go out there, and it'll be gone. And 
Uh, I never thought of that before. How many growing up left the keys in your car? Yeah, I mean, it was a great day, you know. We, of course, we lived out in the middle of nowhere, and if somebody took our car, it's probably because theirs broke down, they needed to ride home, and they didn't want to wake you up, so they just took your car, and then they bring it back the next day, you know, but um, not that way anymore, and so it does cause a lot of stress of the day and, and challenges of the day, and and so because of that, we, and the circus in D.C. on both sides of things, that if you watch that, you, you talk about messed up. You you're really going to be messed up, and 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 uh, on I don't care where you're at on sides of that. You're it's just a uh, it's a scary thought thinking that they run our country. And and I, I'm glad that God is consistent and that He's always the same, and that um, and we can trust and rely on Him. And that's where we have to get back to, guys. And and I do believe that that's what God is trying to do. And in our hearts right now is wake up believers and and get back to the basics of uh, uh, that that we should be living and getting back to the one constant that we have that never changes and that's God's word and it's so important that that we allow the word of God to uh, guide us and direct us and 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 be that foundation that we base everything on, and it, it will help us in our own worldview of things. It it will help us in in understanding truly what government is about. It will help us to understand about. Uh, we already looked last week a uh, 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 couple of times now. We've we've seen how how the reprobate reprobate mind thinks, and and uh, understanding the chaos that that brings, and. And, but now we, we see and, and can understand more of, of, of going to the one thing that never changes. You know, our, our world is, is today is a, a lot, the, the IRS kind of represents what our world is today. My, my wife being a, an accountant, and one of these days, I hope she's, she's already thinking she needs to quit being a CPA and become a professional quilter. She's upstairs, so I can say these things. And so, if anybody has a really cheap long arm that you would like to give away, that that would be great. If you don't know what I'm talking about, guys, don't ask. Okay, you don't want to know about a long arm, all right? But uh, uh, and but here's the thing that that I find interesting. Every year, every year she has to go to a 16-hour class that just deals with all the changes of the year for the tax code. Every year it has to be updated. Every year she sits there for 16 hours and, and, and listens to some bean counter tell us of how the tax code has changed. And can I tell you, it's never for the better. And, and, and we just end up paying more. But all I'm I say in that, it's just a representation truly of, of what our culture is and, and what our country's at, where it's just forever changing. And God wants us to get back to the one constant that never changes, and that is his word. I, I, I pray and I hope that, that as Dr. Curalo did for me, he was my pastor, he was my professor at college, he's still my, one of my best friends, and, and I spoke with him even this week, and and uh, this man has two earned doctorate degrees on uh, uh, on on the Bible, and 
Uh, he, he's one that uh, is constantly studying and, and uh, is truly a wonderful mentor to me. I, I'm never going to be like him because I can't make my brain work as long as he works his every day. But uh, such a blessing. But one thing that he instilled into me is how precious and how much we ought to love this thing right here. I mean, th- this, is, this ought to be everything to us. I mean, if, if there was a fire in your house, the first thing that you want to do is, oh, let me find my Bible. And, and I don't know about yours, but I, I write in mine. I mean, I have, I have tons of notes and stuff in mine. And I, I had an older one that I had done the same thing to. And when Thane was ordained into the ministry, I gave it to him and, and uh Maybe one of these days, if, if when Matt gets ordained into the ministry, maybe I'll give him this one and start all over again. And then when Tyler gets ordained into the ministry and uh, becomes a great preacher, I'll give him one too, all right? And so I'm teasing, all right? I might give you one anyway. But uh, you might not want it either. But anyway, but I, I just hope that, that when we leave here that, that we have a, a new, refreshed respect for the importance and the love we ought to have for his word. I mean, our holy God, creator of the universe, chose to speak to us through his word. And he had us write down this word and, and to uh, uh, men pen the words as God moved them to write these things. And, and he gave us his precious word today that, so that we can understand that this is how God talks to us today. And may I say that it is powerful. You, you want points to, to write down? Well, Roman numeral one, the word of God, it is powerful. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 and 16. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. Paul writing this to Timothy. Paul is getting ready to go and, and be crucified or beheaded and lose his, lose his life for his faith. And, and he's preparing to die and he knows that he's going to die. And, and this is what you might call a swan song, all right? This is the... This is his last will and testament. This is the last things that, that if you know that, that you are going to die and you have an appointed time and, and, and God gives you, lets you know that, hey, you know, the time is near then, and you write something down for everyone to know, that's exactly what 2 Timothy is. And he's writing this to Timothy, who's a young man who is going to carry on the torch and, and continue in the ministry. And, and we know that even Timothy later, I believe if you read, we find out he loses his life later on for his faith too. But we see that he writes this, and, and he's reminding Timothy of some great things as a, as a believer and as a pastor and as one that wants to make an eternal difference in other people's lives. And, and so he says, first of all, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Well, I'm telling you guys, it's so important that, that you who have children at home, start them early in teaching them what the Word of God says. Let, let them uh, uh, watch you have devotions every day and, and sit down and read a verse or two, or uh, how, depending on how old they are. But uh, spend time in the Word of God with your children every day and make certain that your children are under the preaching of God's Word every time the doors are open. There's nothing more important than your children knowing and learning and understanding what God's Word has to say. And, 
and, and uh, uh, be sitting under that. And, and here he says, even from a child, you've known that. And it tells us that um, later on that it was his mother and his grandmother that, that do this and, and make certain that he was under that preaching. And so thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Remember, I kept bringing you back, and, and maybe this ought to be our theme verse for uh, this entire series that we're dealing with on confusion in Romans 1 and verse 16, where Paul wrote to the, or, uh, uh, Paul wrote to the, to the uh, Romans. He said, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You, you see, the, the word of God is powerful, and the first thing that it does is it makes us wise unto salvation. You know what makes us wise unto salvation is it points it out and shows us through his perfection that we all sin and come short of the glory of God. Boy, it ought to help us in learning to be a little more patient with each other and, and where we're at in our lives and, and in our own struggles that we have. We can look at that and, and be reminded, yep, you know what? All that's doing is show me that that person is a sinner just like me. And if it wasn't for God's grace, I might be in the same spot that they are in. And, and by God's grace, maybe I'm not in the spot that they are in, but they're looking at me and they're seeing the, the problems that I have in my life and they're saying, well, you know what? He's a sinner too, and I'm, and I'm glad I have victory over that, and I'm glad I'm not in the spot that he's in. And so we need to understand that, that it just shows us that we're a sinner, and, and, and it makes us wise unto salvation, makes us wise in the understanding that we need Jesus. The whole theme of this Bible is Jesus. From, De from Genesis 1-1 all the way through to the last verse in Revelation 22, we know that the theme of it is all about Jesus, showing us that he is the one, that's the answer. He's the one that saves us. And why? Because he went to the cross and he died on that cross. He was buried. He rose again. That's the gospel. And God's word makes us wise to that salvation and, and how we need to look to him and trust him and walk with him. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, it says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Oh, if we want to see our families changed, then let's make sure that we are all wise to salvation. Get rid of church tradition. Get rid of things that maybe we were taught in, uh, in, in family tradition or whatever, or maybe in our own preconceived notions, and, and let us get back to the one that shows us that's been a constant since day one, the Word of God, and let it reveal to us what salvation is all about. It only comes in God's Word. It makes us wise unto salvation. And then he goes on and he says, and all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means that it is breathed out by God. And so as we give thought to being God and reading God-breathed words, then we understand how important these are and, and, and knowing and understanding that it's the very breath of God that has been 
uh, the, the words have been given to us, and so because of that, it is profitable for doctrine, for teaching of God's Word, for reproof, to, 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 to uh, show us that we're wrong, and correction, to show us how to fix things and, and do it right, and, and, and then for uh, instruction in righteousness. You see, God wants us to live righteous, and even though our world may be falling apart around us, or you think that it's falling apart around us, and yes, there are the, the unsaved is always going to act like the unsaved. Don't expect the unsaved to act any other way. But we ought to expect believers to act differently. God shows us in his word that we need to be different. And, and, and we need to make sure that, that, you know, we can stay in here all day long and say amen to everything and then go live like the devil the rest of the week and it doesn't do anything. And so let's make sure that we are backing up what we're saying with what we're doing. And so here it's God-breathed and, and, and how important it is. It's profitable for all areas of our lives. Over in Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to turn a lot. And so you stay with me and, and uh, we'll get through this, all right? But there's a lot that the Word says about itself. And that's what I want us to see in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is quick. You know what that means? It means it's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Over in John chapter 6, uh, Jesus said this, and, and uh, uh, John chapter 6 and verse 63, and it tells us, it says, uh, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Look right here, the, uh, the scriptures show us and tell us that, that it, it always points us to life. Uh, everything we know about God, everything that we know about Jesus is about life. It's about living. It's about uh, preparing for eternal life and knowing Jesus Christ is our Savior and knowing that we're on our way to heaven. Well, I can tell you there's nothing better than, than knowing that Christina, uh, when she passed away the other day, praise the Lord that by based on her own testimony talking to me that that very moment that she took her last breath here on earth, she saw her Savior. That's the problem. Why do I know that? Because the one constant that we have is God's Word. And God's Word says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it tells us, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And so we trust and, and live according to what God's Word says. And so we let it penetrate our lives and show us that it is it is truly the Word of God. We already saw in 1 Peter 1 and verse 23 that it is also incorruptible. Oh, there have been those who try to change it. There are those that try to make it say things that it doesn't. There are those that, that, that try to say that it was only written by men. And so there, there is nothing here that you can truly trust in. And, and the Word of God shows us that it might have been pinned by men, but they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God to write exactly what God wanted them to write. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, it tells us, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so just like you, if any, anybody here ever been on a sailboat? 
I, I've never been on a sailboat. Anybody ever been on a sailboat? Okay. Yeah, several of you have been. And, and, and you pull up the sails, you know, and the wind hits the sails, and you can turn those sails to, to guide the boat the direction that you want to go. Well, that's the word picture of, uh, that, that we see here where they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That word moved has the idea of wind in the sail and borning them along. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit did. And, and so that one that, that wants to say, oh, look, it's just, a, it's just a man-written book. Well, can I tell you, have you ever seen another man-written book that was written by over 40 authors on three different continents, three different languages, and still has the same theme through everything? And it's still perfect today. Oh, there are those that would try to uh, 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 cheapen this, but it has covered it covers th- hundreds of controversial subjects and still has that one single theme of Jesus Christ, the Savior, and and all of these things that 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 we see and know and understand. And some want to say, well, it's just written by man. Now, it might have been penned by man, but it was exactly God's words that were penned. And he's the one that moved them. And, and how do you know that? Because I know that I'm on my way to heaven. Not because of who I am, but because of who this Bible is written about and what he has done for me. And I know that I'm on my way to heaven. And so if I do end up going out one of these days and maybe my wife finally loses and said that's enough you know and 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 i'm in heaven i just want you to know that absent from the body present with the lord and i'm not going to miss a single one of you i'm going to be enjoying myself in the presence of my savior waiting for all of you to come too and so and i wouldn't dare say that my my wife would never kill me I need to qualify that because now some of you think, man, she's really mean. Well, she can get a little honored, but she won't be that mean, all right? But I'm just telling you that the Bible, it's powerful. Verse 16, we see that it is reliable and you can trust it. You know, thirdly, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22, turn over there if you'd like. It's, it, and, and in, its, in its reliability, it's inspired by God. It's also inerrant, and by inerrant, nothing errs from the truth in God's Word. Everything about it is truth, and we need to understand that this is what, this is what sets us apart as we read the Word of God and know more about the Word of God. We understand and realize that it is perfect and that it does tell us the truth and that it will uh, always be what it says that it will be. <clears throat> and I, <clears throat> uh, Job 26, I'm sorry, not Isaiah, Job. <clears throat> Turn over to Job, all the way back before Psalms, right? Job uh, chapter 26. <clears throat> this is what it says. I, I find this interesting. He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. You, you see, I, I think it's interesting as we, as we read this. And, and you know what? There, there is a verse there in Isaiah. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 40. And, and here we see, uh, and I find this interesting because it, it's always 
the, the, the science of the day is always trying to disprove God, and, and God is showing us the truth and, and showing us that true science will always point to a creator. Verse 22, Isaiah 40, verse 22. It is, it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. Now, those are just two examples that I pulled out, but there are several just showing us that it is without error. You, you know, years ago, back in the 1800s, there was a big, there, there was a big controversy over whether the earth was flat. I find it interesting now that has made a big full circle and and now we have another group of people who are trying to tell me that the world is flat. Come on people. I I honestly I'm I'm kind of simple minded here, all right? But go get on a jet, take off due east. And you ought to fall off the side of it at some point in time. But you know what you're going to do? You're going to go around and around and around and around. God has shown us that the, that the earth is round, that it's in an orbit, and that's it. Why do I know that? Because God's Word says it. I don't care what the scientists say. I don't care what some nutcase on the Internet wants to try to draw. And, and they get all kinds of views, which is amazing. And, and they think that because they have gotten 500,000 views that they really are important. But I'm telling you that God's word shows us, and it is inerrant, and it is right, and we're not on a flat earth. And so we move on, and it is inerrant, and then it's also infallible. By infallible, God's word is incapable of being wrong. Why? Because God is incapable of being wrong. God is perfect and holy in everything that he does and says. God's, we, we need to understand that that we are dealing with something supernatural in our hands and we truly ought to treat it with the respect that we should and, and understanding the importance of what this word says. It's God's word, it's infallible, and it is, it is incapable of error. I, I love these verses in Psalm 12. Uh, and and I'll, you can go there if you want, but I'm, I'm not going to wait as I go through these. But Psalm 12, verses 6 and, uh, six and 7 it says, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Isaiah chapter 40, uh, uh, another powerful verse in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 40 in verse 8. And uh, uh, here he tells us, he says, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth. But the, word of the, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. He goes on in 1 first, uh, uh, Peter, and we looked at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, but look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses uh, uh, tw uh, 24 and 25, and, and this is what he tells us here. For all flesh is as grass. And all the glory of man is a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. That's why some 2,000 years later, after everything had been done, everything had been sealed and stamped by God's approval, and we have the entire word of God, that we can preach the word of God today, and it will do the same thing it did 2,000 years ago. It can change the lives and the hearts of people today. 
And that's why we continue to preach and teach the Word of God. It is incapable of being wrong. God's Word is infallible, and we can trust exactly what it says. Proverbs uh, chapter 8, if you would like. Follow with me back to Proverbs 8 and, and uh, uh, verse uh, 35. I'll read that as soon as I get there. But uh, here we see, thirdly, Roman numeral 3, it is perfect. I love that. There's nothing in this world that's perfect except God and His Word. And he tells us this. He says in verse 35, For whoso findeth life, or for whoso findeth me, findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. You see, in its perfection, its power is authentic. It truly does change you. When you understand that you need a Savior and you call on Christ to be your Savior, He saves you. He tells me that He makes us a new creature in Christ. Now all of a sudden our heart is different. Our motives are different. Our thoughts are different. Our lifestyle becomes different. The way we raise our children are different. The way we treat our spouse is different. The, the, the way we live and, and how we act at work is different in our lives. When, when we truly have the Holy Spirit of God, there will be a difference in our lives. And things will change in our hearts and in our lives. And, and look, it, and if you say, man, there's nothing changed in my life. Well, maybe there's never been a heartfelt, true experience of uh, humbling yourself and coming to the saving graces of Jesus Christ. And you truly need to quit playing the game and trust Christ to be your Savior. Look, Jesus says the only way to get to heaven is you must be born again. And so, yes, there is only one way, and it's authentic, and, and it is authoritative. Look over in John chapter 3, if you would. John chapter 3. This is Jesus himself speaking, and, and here he, he recorded these very words, and, and he's talking to, look, he, he was talking to someone that was very religious, he was somebody that was very careful in the way that he was living and, and being cautious of certain things. And I think he was a sincere man and, and trying to please God through the rules and the rituals that they had placed in front of him and doing his best to do those things. But he was now seeing Jesus come in and, and he's doing all of these miracles and, and he's showing him that, that there really is something special about this guy. And Nicodemus was quick to admit to that and, and, and saying that uh, uh, there is something different about you for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. That's what he told Jesus. And now he comes at night and, and he's still afraid of what men may say. And, 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 and the fear of man bringeth a snare. God's word tells us that. And so don't be concerned about what everybody else is thinking. Be concerned about what God thinks and, and, and let it be authoritative in your own life. And so he comes to him and Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know what's wrong with our world today is people are just not willing to just stand up and say, this is what it says and, and this is the right way, walk you in it. What is wrong with people? You ask somebody a question and they'll bounce all around the question and never answer it. I can't stand a politician that does that. You, you, you want me to be as quick to, to say no to your vote as I ask you a direct question? You can answer me directly. If you can't answer me directly, then take a hike. I don't need to talk to you. And it's the same way. I don't want you to ever think me as somebody that will dance around and not tell you what 
uh, to the best of my ability what God's Word says. Because my Word doesn't really matter at all whatsoever. The only thing that matters is what God's Word says. You know how we need to let it be authoritative in our lives today. If you see something, maybe the preacher brings something out and, and you get convicted because you're doing something wrong and uh, compared to what Scripture says, don't blame me for that. It's not my rule. It's not my standard. That's God's standard. Tell God about it. You want to cry to somebody? Cry to Him. I got enough load on my plate. I don't need to listen to you whine and cry over your disobedience. You know why? Because I'm whining and crying my own self. And there's sometimes where we want to justify it. And, and you know what? We have to get back to remembering that this is God's perfect word. And it has a right to be authoritative over me as a child of God. And I need to, I need to obey what it says. And I just need to do what it says. And, and so here uh, Nicodemus comes in. And he's like, oh, you know, I know you're a man of God. And, and Jesus looks at him and says, uh, if, if you don't get born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. What? There's many paths to heaven. No, there's not. No, there's not. Well, it's just a, it's just a book written by men, and you can't let that be authoritative. No, it's not. That's God's word. How do you know that? 2 Peter 1.21 tells me. And it tells me that all throughout every generation they've tried to destroy this word. Why, why is it that there's not a battle to, to destroy the Koran? Why is there not a battle to destroy the Book of Mormon? Why is there not a battle to, to destroy, uh, 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 I don't even know what book the Hindus or the Buddhists use. Maybe they don't even use one. I don't know. But why is there not a battle to destroy those? But there is a battle to destroy the Word of God. There has been since day one because the devil knows what power lies in the Word of God today. And I'm telling you, if we're going to have God's blessings upon our lives, then we need to let it be authoritative over us. And, and so he tells him, he said, unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus, all in his scientific mind, oh, are you telling me now what? i got to crawl back in my, wife, my, my mother's womb and be born again. And, and, and Jesus, you know, I, can you imagine the look Jesus gave him? I'm sorry, I took a class in college on nonverbals, quietest class you've ever been in. But your nonverbals speak loudly, and I'm sure Jesus' nonverbals at that very moment was speaking loudly. And so he answers him, and, but then he, and then he says in verse 7, he gets right back to, here you are, Nicodemus, you're deflecting here, and, and you just don't like to hear the truth, but marvel not, and, and, he, and he's giving him a command, okay? And, and, and he's not asking this as a question. He's giving him a command. And he said, don't be astonished that I said unto you, unto thee, you must be born again. You know what's something else that's interesting in this, in the, in the King James Bible? And I do believe that there is a battle still going on with the Bible today, and be careful of all the translations that are out there. And so don't, don't be so naive to think that every one of them was written with, with uh, honesty and integrity and wanting only for you to understand what God's Word says. Most of those follow the money. But here's something interesting in this. Marvel not that I said unto thee, 
and you only. That's what he said to Nicodemus. He said, marvel not that I said unto you and you only that ye, all of you, must be born again. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say that, Nicodemus, you're the only one that needs to be born again. I'm telling you that not only you, but all your cohorts that are Pharisees, all those Sadducees, all those religious ones, all of those that, that have de declined to follow your rules, and all of those that have declined to understand that I am the Savior, all of you must be born again. Well, I'm telling you today that all of us need to make sure that we are born again. And it's not in your works that you're going to do that, not by works of righteousness which we have done. Our works of righteousness are as filthy rags, it tells us. It tells us that we're not saved by our works in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And so it tells us that the only way that you are born again is by trusting, believing, and, trust, and placing all your faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you. He died on that cross for you because you're a sinner. And he died and he showed us that he was God by raising again that third day, appeasing the wrath of God. And he took the wrath of God from you whenever you settle it at that cross and you pour out your heart to Jesus and, and you admit to him that you are a Savior and you need Jesus as your Savior and you're asking him to save you and you are trusting only in him, I, can tell, I tell you that you will be born again and have a place in the eternal home called heaven. Why? Because God's Word says it. Let it be authoritative in your own life. And then the last thing, and, and I end with this verse. 2 Timothy, we get back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 17. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Being authoritative, it brings us to salvation, and then it shows us how to live a godly life. I'm telling you, it was chaotic when Paul wrote this. Christians were losing their lives probably daily because of their faith. There was ungodliness all over the, all over the country. There was all kinds of immorality that was taking place. Christians were hated just for their faith. Many had lost their homes. Many had lost their families. Many had lost their, their jobs in any way to make a living. There were those who were losing their heads because of their faith. And what does Paul say? That you can learn God's Word and be perfect. That's mature in your faith. Not perfect in society's idea of that. It means mature in your faith. Truly furnished, prepared fully and wholly for all good works. In a world of confusion, we as believers look to the one standard, the one constant that has never changed. That's his word. Boy, am I thankful. Am I thankful every time I wake up and I start reading what's going on and, and, I, and, and I start my heart rate gets higher, my breathing gets more shallow and quicker, and, and my, my, I get dizzy and my blood pressure starts going up, and then I sit back down and I'm thinking, you know what? God, you say 
that all things are in your hands and I trust you. And I'm going to not focus on all of that. I'm going to focus on what I must do today. And I'm going to do what your word shows me and tells me that I need to do today. I'm going to apply it to my life. I'm reminded every day that I'm your child. And that I need to behave like you, that you want me to as your child. And so help me today in a chaotic world, a world full of confusion. Let me live based upon the one constant, his word. Boy, it can help us all, guys. And, and as we find that peace and as we find that, that settledness in our hearts and our lives, there will be those that are breathing hard and they're lightheaded and their blood pressure is high, and they're going to say, how do you do it? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. He changed my life, and he can change yours too. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you do a work in the hearts of each one who's here. Lord, help us to walk out of here today and truly be encouraged and to just be exhorted to, to tell others about your goodness and your salvation. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here that if someone just asks them, and we'll just ask them right now, if you were to die today, how do you know that you're on your way to heaven? If someone sitting here can't answer that, I pray that before they leave here today, that they seek someone out, ask for help, or they sit right there in their chair, and they admit to you that they're a Savior, and they want to trust in what you have done for them. And so they pray and ask you to forgive them and be their Savior. Lord, it's that simple, and I thank you for that. It wasn't simple for you, but it truly is simple for us. So I pray that they would call on you to be their Savior. Settle that today. Lord, let them see and know and understand as they grow their home is in heaven. Help us live with that knowledge in our lives. Help us to be at peace with the things that come along that we can still look to you and be solid and mature in our faith in what we do. Lord, we love you. And I pray you do a work in our hearts today. And I pray, Father, that you bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.